Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. I am always very glad that you are with me. Today was Ole Miss Day at SEC Media Days. And uh, let's be honest. One, don't mistake me for somebody that is doing the whole complaining about Media Days thing. It's a great event. I really enjoy it. I'm glad I'm here. It's a lot of fun. I'm not going to be one of those people that poo-poos on SEC Media Days. It is a fun event. We get to talk football. That's all very, very good. There's a lot of excitement in the air. Things are good around here right now. But if we're being totally honest about Ole Miss's day, there really wasn't much. And that's okay. Again, this is not a complaint. It's perfectly fine. Uh, It was a pretty uneventful day, which is totally and perfectly fine. There were a couple of things, though, that stood out to me. And so we'll talk about those today right here on the podcast. I do want to remind you, if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, I know a lot of you listen in browser, hop on over to your favorite podcast app, search Rebel Report, find it wherever you get it, and hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and a review if you'd like. Also, follow me on social media, Twitter and Facebook, and YouTube, Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y. It's hard to mistake me. There's only one of me because I've got a pretty terrible name. So find me on social media wherever uh, you use it. And also, this podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website if you are in the market for office technology, copiers and printers, mail machines, cloud storage, data security, phone systems, whatever it is, if you are located anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi and you are in the market for office technology, they've got you covered. ABSMS.com, you tell them I sent you an Advantage Business Systems will give you a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need, what your budget is, and they will find a solution for you. This podcast is also brought to you by LB's just across from Kroger and University. If you are cooking with meat, it is the best selection of meat in this state. So go to LB's, see Greg, tell him or anybody there that I sent you and they'll take care of you at LB's. Again, just across from Kroger and University. They also have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday, uh, but they are open every day. So if you're cooking with meat, they've got you covered. Great sides as well. Good advice if you need it. Uh, If you're cooking with meat, grilling, whatever the case may be, I know it's going to be hot around Mississippi over the next few days, but a lot of sun. So take your shirt off, hang out behind your grill or your flat top, and I really, really want a flat top, but hang out behind your grill or your flat top, uh, but you got to get that started at LB's. Okay, so here's here's what we're going to do. I recorded uh, after Media Days a uh, quick thoughts uh, did those live, so I'll bring those to you now. There are a couple of things from Lane Kiffin's day that stood out to me, so I will play those for you right now. And then immediately following that will be Lane Kiffin's time at the podium. If you want to hear it, some of it's interesting, some of it's not. Just being honest, some of it's interesting, some of it's not. Uh, but there is a good fast-forward button on your podcast app, so just kind of hit it if you want to get past the boring stuff. But he was pretty good today. There's some good stuff in here so you'll hear my thoughts there are two things one on quarterbacks one on his agenda for today Uh, 
And then immediately following that, you will hear from Lane Kiffin himself. And Lane Kiffin's press conference will end the podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Here are my two takeaways, two thoughts from Lane Kiffin's day at Ole Miss and then his press conference. I'm also going to upload another edition of this, another episode where you'll hear from Jonathan Mingo and Cedric Johnson. So that's what you're going to get after this. It'll be uploaded following this one, Cedric Johnson and Jonathan Mingo. So be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, two thoughts and then Lane Kiffin. Thank you for tuning in and uh, I'll talk to you on Wednesday, but stick around for well, what you came here for. Stick around. Yes, I can. Perfect. So this is actually working. I'm glad that it is. Anyway, I'm glad that you guys are with me. Again, Ole Miss just finished. Not just finished. Uh, but day one of SEC Media Days just finished. I am the last person here. Yeah, let's see if I can help with the volume. How's that, Bill? That should be a little bit better. I am the last person here. Literally the last person here. I'm hoping they don't turn the lights out on me. Um this isn't a Motel 6, so they may or may not leave the light on for me. But, uh, yeah, this is it. This is where it all goes down. This is the main ballroom area. Like, uh, it's actually a turf field here. If you've never been to the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, I am sitting on a field right now, a makeshift football field. There's actually a field goal post behind me. And I'll turn this around so uh, so you can see that uh, that right there is where they uh, do the SEC Now set, and that's where Feinbaum was set up today and uh, and stuff like that. But you guys aren't here for a tour. At least I don't think so. I'm going to record one of those tomorrow and just kind of show uh, you guys uh, and the listeners of our radio show what everything here looks like. I'm just going to kind of do a walkthrough tomorrow morning. But you're here to talk about Ole Miss. That's, uh, that's who went through today along with LSU and Missouri, Brian Kelly, Eli Drinkwitz, their players, but we're here to talk about Ole Miss, obviously. So, and just a handful of things that stood out to me and maybe stood out to you uh, as well. If you were able to watch, uh, let me know what it looked like or, or sounded like or anything like that. Uh, but Lane Kiffin, uh, Cedric Johnson, Jonathan Mingo, Nick Broker uh, all made their rounds today. I was impressed by all three. That's why you bring. Uh, guys to events like this you're going to bring your most impressive guys and for whatever it's worth to you they all you know represented well and and said the right things and they were asked all day about quarterbacks and none of them gave you a true answer Uh, although uh, Jonathan Mingo compared uh, his new tight end Michael Trigg to a guy that just got drafted. I say just got drafted. He's played a full season now, uh, but got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons and Kyle Pitts. Jonathan Mingo said that Michael Trigg is Kyle Pitts. That's uh, a pretty pretty hefty comparison there uh, for sure, but all three of them represented well. They said all the right things, and uh, part of the said the right things thing that was very well said, is uh, not revealing anything. That's the beauty of days like this is they're not supposed to say anything at all. Uh, they did well. They were, uh, they were interesting and fun and, and did a good job. So for whatever that's worth to you, uh, the three players uh, did well. But, of course, uh, the conversations about Lane Kiffin and uh, what he had to say today, there was a couple of things that stood out uh, to me about Lane Kiffin's day here and a couple of things that he said. If we're being totally honest with ourselves, this is not where he shines. This is not the setting that um, draws people to Lane Kiffin. Now, occasionally, like with the uh, luxury tax thing, 
with uh, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. I mean, those were fireworks, right? That got this whole summer of NIL thing started. So occasionally he'll give you some good stuff in press conferences. But by and large, it's very, like, soft even. Like, he really kind of talks low. Uh, Clearly, you know, this isn't where he's happy. And in fairness, it's probably really hard answering the same questions all day. But uh, two things that I I was really struck by. The first one, naturally, uh, about the quarterbacks. Now, I I was asked a few times today from a handful of people about, you know, timeline. Like, who's going to start? When are they going to going to decide that well the schedule sets up really really well and you're going to see guys split snaps to start the season and Lane Kiffin and I'm paraphrasing here uh, Lane Kiffin said we want to decide as fast as possible Uh, that's what they want now if they can't make that decision then they cannot make that decision and, and that's how it is they can't if they can't make the decision they can't make the decision and then they'll figure it out from there but when he said that they want to have a starter, that that's the goal, is to not go into week one against Troy not knowing who your guy is. That's not something that they want. So this idea that they're going to give each guy 50% of the snaps or whatever, I don't know how many people actually think that that is something that can actually happen. Truly, I don't know. But that is, according to people on Radio Row up there, something that people are talking about. Uh, I even heard somebody today that covers college football on a national level say that this was Luke Altmyer's job to lose. Now, uh, frankly, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think it's anybody's quote-unquote job to lose right now. But if separation occurs, if one does stand out over the other, that's going to be your starter on day one against Troy, and that's going to be your quarterback until proven otherwise. It's not going to be this thing where they do a two-quarterback system until Kentucky comes to town because the schedule allows them a little flexibility there. That's not what Lane Kiffin said today. Maybe I'm reading too far into his words, but his words told me that they want to pick a starting quarterback. They're not going to force it. But if one separates, that's going to be the guy. When Troy comes to Oxford in week one, that's going to be the quarterback, and he's going to take the overwhelming majority of the snaps, and they're going to move forward like that until proven otherwise. I found that really interesting, this idea of two quarterback systems or whatever. That's not something that they want to do at all based on what I heard from Lane Kiffin. And the next thing is something that you guys have probably heard a lot of already, is he is constantly talking about the imbalance in terms of recruiting. That is the nature of college football today. I would argue and have argued many, many times that that's the nature of college football uh, since I've really been alive. There have been some programs that can afford to recruit, and I mean that quite literally, and some programs that don't have that kind of budget in recruiting. Things have really been magnified, though, with NIL. The dollar amounts are significantly larger, and Lane Kiffin went into today wanting to talk about that more, again, however you want to phrase it. He came in today with an agenda, and some people take that word negatively, like, oh, he had an agenda. Yeah, he had some things that he wanted to talk about today. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what the platform is for. You get all these media people in this room, I mean, every seat in this room is completely full. 
So you have all these people in this room, you got to get your message across. And so all these people with these circulations and these publications in this radio, in these radio shows all heard Lane Kiffin today again point out the fact that because of the current structure in college football, you have programs that can afford to do things that other programs can simply not afford to do. And even at this level, I mean, this is the best richest conference in the country. Top to bottom, Greg Sankey today said that the SEC is a super conference and uh, the Big Ten adding USC and UCLA doesn't change the SEC status in college football. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, But even in the SEC, you you have a financial disparity that is shockingly large, especially when you can compare, let's just be totally honest, if you can compare Texas A&M to Ole Miss. Texas A&M's budget in recruiting is significantly many times over higher than that of Ole Miss's, and that's the reality. In the NFL, it's not that way. Everybody has the same amount of money that they can spend on their roster. In the NBA, it's, it's not that way. You've got luxury tax and stuff in the NBA, but generally speaking, every team in the league has a dollar amount that they can spend on their roster. Major League Baseball is a sport of incredible imbalance because of the flexibility financially. And that's why you've got a bunch of teams that that choose not to afford their roster who have payrolls that are smaller than one player on the New York Yankees. That concept, the Major League Baseball model, is happening not by choice in college football. We'll keep using Ole Miss as the example because they went today. I promise you. Ole Miss wants to spend as much as Texas A&M in recruiting. They can't, and that's the difference. And so Lane Kiffin used his platform again today to point to the fact that while I agree with the concept of name, image, and likeness, I think that legal adults should be allowed to profit off of their own name and image and likeness however they see fit. This is supposed to be a free country. Legal adults should be able to make as much money as somebody is willing to pay them. However, they did this without guardrails, and Lane Kiffin pointed that out, and he's right. In the NFL, there is a salary cap. There's windows for free agents. There's contract links. There's punishment for not fulfilling your end of the contract. In college football, you've got programs like a Texas A&M that have significantly more money than that of an Ole Miss, and that disparity is shockingly large, again, even for the premier conference in the sport. Brian Kelly straight up said, right, right there, right Right. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Right there. Right there. Brian Kelly straight up said, we're not getting outbid for players. Now, (laughs) Richard gave me crap about this today, uh, but the truth is I'm right here. That is an inducement. That was supposed to be against the rules. You're not supposed to have bidding wars for high school players. Now everybody does it, but how brazen and open that is. We're not losing bidding. We're not getting outbid. I mean, so wide open right here on the stage in front of all these people. And guess what is going to be done about it? Literally nothing. So it's just free range now. And that concept is exactly what Lane Kiffin is talking about. And he's right. I agree with NIL and the concept of it. So does he. I think players should be 
able to get paid for their NIL. However, the imbalance in college football is staggering. It's absolutely staggering. And the thing is about Kiffin's program is they're in better shape in terms of structure in the NIL game and funding than a lot of programs that you would be surprised by. Ole Miss is in pretty good shape NIL-wise. They've got the collective that is strong. It's well-funded. It's well-organized. Uh, they're, they're adding new players to it every day. The dollar amounts are, are, are significant. Ole Miss is structured very well in NIL. It's impressive, honestly, considering the size of the school and the state and the financial situation in the state, the current financial situation that the entire country is dealing with. Ole Miss is in good shape, but it's still not enough, and it's not anywhere close. Uh, Nick Saban's going to walk through here tomorrow. Ole Miss can't do what Alabama can do. Kirby Smart's going to walk through here. Ole Miss can't do what Georgia can do. Brian Kelly walked through here today. Can't do what LSU can do. It, that's just the reality. And, and Greg Sankey talked about it. The, uh, the financial commitment is, is staggering. And he even intimated that the NCAA can't get uh, a hold on this and somebody else has to. My concern is people keep asking Congress to do it. Can you find a more incompetent group of people to fix college football than Congress? I certainly can't. But long story short, uh, he's right. He's right, and he's one of the few coaches that will – speak on it in that way. He started it from the beginning. Kids are going to schools without even visiting them because uh, the the price is the highest, and that's the current reality of college football. Um, I don't know if you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, Maybe you can, but unless there's some kind of guardrail in place, uh, the, the, the difference is going to continue to be staggering. Luckily for Ole Miss, they found a niche, niche, whatever, uh, in the transfer portal. It fits their budget. They can still add a bunch of talent, and, uh, and we'll see if that talent uh, can mesh because it's, it's definitely there. He also talked about uh, playmakers in his offense and, and who's going to be that guy that they lean on, and his answer was, I don't know yet. We have to see it. And, and he's right. That's what's so fascinating about this old Miss team. And I did a couple of interviews today. It's um, when you ask me, Hey, the schedule sets up. Can they go seven and zero, or be seven and zero when they go to Baton Rouge in Week Eight? And my answer is they can. I just don't know. It's so hard to prognosticate this team because their coach, again, right, right up there on that podium today, said, "I don't know who's going to be my quarterback. I don't know who my primary playmaker is on offense. I, I don't know." So if the coach doesn't know, how the hell are we supposed to know? <laughs> how am I supposed to be able to tell you how good they're going to be? Now, on paper, this is one of the more talented, on paper, one of the more talented Ole Miss teams that I've seen in my 12 years of living in Mississippi. On paper. Will that translate into wins? We'll have to see. But uh, he wouldn't commit to anything. Maybe he already has a feeling of who those guys are going to be. I expect a heavy dose of Michael Trigg, for example. I think when he says, I don't know, it's not totally honest because I believe that he believes that he's got an uber-talented tight end paired with an uber-talented running back. But the fact is, we don't know. 
if this is going to mesh. We don't know if a quarterback's going to emerge. We don't know if Jonathan Mingo's going to be 100% healthy. We don't know who besides him is going to step up and be a receiver. Is it going to be the Missouri transfer, Jalen Knox, or the UCF transfer, or the Louisville transfer, or the Western Kentucky transfer? Who is it going to be? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. And if you believe Lane Kiffin 100%, which, again, I don't know if you should, but his answer was, I don't know. On the other side, uh, Cedric Johnson, again, today was really impressive. He's uh, looks like he's added some weight, and he's a fascinating case, uh, right? Ole Miss loses Sam Williams. It's a really significant loss. He was a first-round talent that went in the second round. It's a big-time player. But Cedric Johnson has the ability to become this year's Sam Williams. The, the talent is there. Can he put it all together and become that guy? Uh, but Ole Miss defensively, I told a few people earlier today, What's so funny about what this team can potentially be is one that is really good in the run game, uh, an Ole Miss team that runs the football well, has a really good tight end, and plays really good defense. <laughs> like, what the hell is this Ole Miss? Uh, where did they come from? I, I don't understand how the roster has flipped in a way where people are talking about how the defensive line has a depth like people have never seen that the secondary is, one, they return basically everybody, but the secondary could be their strength. I mean, remember a few years ago when every team, including Madison Central High School, could just throw all over Ole Miss? You remember that? Because uh, I do, and it was brutal. I remember an Ole Miss team that couldn't rotate defensive linemen in that were effective in any way, shape, or form. Now people are talking about them being eight deep. I remember Ole Miss teams that struggled to run the football. Now you've got a running back room that is the best they've had, at least on paper talent-wise, in a long time, and a tight end that is being compared to Kyle Pitts, who was a top-ten pick. It's atypical uh, Ole Miss for, uh, for sure. So those are some quick thoughts about, uh, I, I say quick, 17 minutes worth of thoughts about uh, Lane Kiffin's day and Ole Miss's day here at the College Football Hall of Fame at SEC Media Days. All right, thanks, Commissioner. Uh, excited to be here. You know, I always think that uh, this kind of re-energizes, refreshes you about the season coming up uh, here in the middle of the summer. You know, as you see other players, other coaches, or even as the TV was on before uh, coming up here, I'm on SEC Network and just kind of remind you that it's right around the corner. So our, our, our job is, um, I think, really challenging this year uh, because on paper we may look, you know, like we should be decent because we filled a lot of holes with transfer portals. So that is a good system when you lose really good players and you haven't been somewhere long enough to develop a lot of classes of depth. So we are grateful for that. But at the same time, with everything good, there are challenges as well. And... You have people coming from, you know, like I've said, kids coming from different parenting, and we got to put them all together uh, as a splendid family. So that is challenging, and and in fall camp, it won't just be about teaching X's and O's um, like it always is. You know, we have a lot of culture work to do that you don't really have to do as much because it's already established because your best players normally have been in your program for a year or two. So look forward to that challenge. 
All right. Thank you, Coach. If you have a question, please raise your hand. Jack, Jake, or Preston will get a microphone to you. Again, please put the microphone up close to your mouth so we can hear you and give your name and affiliation. Coach, we're going to start right here in the center, about halfway back. Go ahead, Michael. Hey, Lane. Michael Cascarande, AL.com. Just wondering your philosophy on calling trick plays when you do them, and what do you remember about Nick Saban and his philosophy on that? Well, like Kirby Smart used to say, sometimes you come up here and just end up talking about Alabama. So our first question somehow is about Nick Saban. So that's pretty usual. Um, Trick plays, I I don't know. I think kind of offense has evolved so much from where we used to be that in a way maybe you don't run as many because, you, you know, we're not quite the same as we used to be as far as setting things up as much because so much is about tempo and how we do things. So I would guess... You know, analytics on tricks, pl- trick plays would show maybe we don't do as many as we used to. And uh, coach kind of t- was with trick plays, kind of like, you know, fake kicks. Like it had to be a discussion a lot of times right before. He would want to know that week what was in and, and why. And uh, a lot of times you'd, you know, run it by him before. So, and if, Co- they, if they worked, he was happy. If they didn't work, you got to ask Chewings. All right, Coach, we'll go over here on the right side, about midway back in the orange. Coach, Ryan LaVoy, Sports Call Auburn, this way. Uh, Ryan LaVoy, Sports Call Auburn. Uh, Your offenses have been well-regarded for a long time now, and you just lost a quarterback in Matt Corral who you had a lot of praise for. When you look at Jackson Dart, how do you think he's coming along learning your offense? And just in general, do you think your offense is a difficult one to master? Well, I think we've had a lot of really good offenses you've referred to because we've had really good players and really good coaches, um, assistant coaches. So uh, that that's always changing. I think, you know, we don't probably do a lot of things, um, not as well as others, but I think one thing we do pretty well is change our offense to our players, to our skilled players. And it's why, you know, people will say we look so different year to year uh, that's not necessarily off-season studies. That is more who our players are. And now with the portal, we know less about that. So I can't really tell you right now what it's going to look like. We're going to need training camp to figure that out. As far as the quarterback, um, Jackson coming in, uh, he's young, just like Luke. You know, they just finished their freshman year. And so it was good to have those guys for spring. It's very competitive. We look forward to those guys battling it out and making them uh, both the best that we can because a lot of times you need both. Coach, we're going to go right in front of me about three rows back. Uh, Coach, Drew DeArmond, WZZN Radio, Huntsville, Alabama. I know you had a lot of history with Charlie Weiss Jr. at Alabama and then with, with you at FAU. Talk about bringing him back to your staff at Ole Miss and the job he could do. And also, second part of the question, the uh, one of the portal additions, Michael Trigg, had a great spring. And talk about kind of your expectations for him. Okay, um, I'll start backwards. Michael Trigg, very talented player. Uh, you know, again, another young one that just finished his true freshman year. Had a really good spring game, done some really good things, and has a really high ceiling. But with all these portal guys, especially the younger ones, we got a lot of work to do with them um, to get them into our systems, not just offensive, defensive, and special teams, but culture-wise. So... Um, you know, he, he's got a really high ceiling. We're excited to have him. And the first question was, 
about Charlie Weiss. Uh, as I mentioned before, we've been fortunate to have really good players and really good assistant coaches. Um, Jeff Levy did an unbelievable job for us. I'm sure he'll do a great job um, at his alma mater, Oklahoma. And uh, Charlie has been with us two places, been with myself two places before. I've always thought he was way ahead of the game, not just because he started young with his dad, but his mind is, is really unique and special, can really memorize things like like no other. So uh, we're excited to have him in there and, and be able to work with him and, and put together a really exciting offense. Coach, we're going to go right here in the middle in front of me, about three-quarters of the way back. Lane, Mike Rodak from AL.com. Just what sort of benefit is there to having that Alabama game be so late in the season this year after you know early last season having to take that loss and then have to overcome it after that? Well, no disrespect to Alabama. I couldn't tell you what number on the schedule they were because uh, we got a lot of things to figure out to work on um, before we get to game one. So I'm not concerned about the schedule. I had a question earlier. Do you like that supposedly it's easier up front? Well, you don't know that. You got no idea. At the end of the year, all you guys, us included, think these teams are going to be better than these, and you don't know. So uh, we just got to work one day at a time, um, integrate all these new players in, and play the best we can. Okay, we'll go down here. Front left, Parrish, behind you, other side. Parrish, Alford Daily Journal. Lane, uh, can you talk a little bit about the things Matt did for you off the field last year, leadership, other characteristics, and where your candidates are in those areas? Well, Matthew is a special player, as you guys know, but a special leader. And, you know, he just led by example. You know, he'd go run in the offseason with the receivers and beat all of them, um, including Mingo, who's here uh, will tell you the story uh, how hard he worked and so and I think our defensive players he won them by the style that he played by running over linebackers and so that's a challenge to replace Uh, and so that won't just be quarterback I think you got to have great leadership when you lose somebody like that and you have young quarterbacks coming in regardless of who wins it uh, for other people around him around that position to step up Coach, we'll go right here on the near out, closest to you, right in front on the out. Hey, Lane, Colin Wilson with the Action Network. Last year, before last season, the record for fourth down attempts was 46. Ole Miss had 49 last year. Is there an expectation that that will be the current pace this year? This is it just down and distance, analytics, field position, or could we be even more aggressive with Ole Miss football this year? Well, thank you. I did not know we set a record. So now I know we have the most attempts in the history of football. So, you know, I used to coach for Pete Carroll. He said, don't just do things really well, do them better than anybody's ever done before. So um, at least I know that stat. And I think that's an interesting stat, you know, that when you talk about recruiting and players and once they get there, you know, we sell too that we believe in you. And that's why it's not just, you know, analytics. You know, that's a huge part of it. But it's players feel that we believe in you that, we put you in those situations that we we play so aggressively, and you know, so I can't predict what that's going to be like uh, year to year as far as fourth down attempts. But you know, it's not easy, and like anything, if everything was easy, everybody would do it. So I get a lot of coaches don't follow the analytics because it's very hard for that press conference afterwards or that stadium to turn on you when it doesn't work. 
And the Alabama game the last two years is a perfect example. You know, the first year we play them, we make a bunch of them, and everybody's saying, oh, that's great, you know, and then the next year we don't. And then you got to go to that press conference. So um, it's not easy to do, but, you know, there's a reason why we do it because, I mean, analytics are proof, and your players know that you believe in them. Coach, we're going to go to our left back alongside the wall. How you doing, Coach? Uh, Scotty from Offscript, two-part question. Uh, there's two big personalities in the state of Mississippi, you and Deion Sanders. How has Deion Sanders touching down in Mississippi affected your recruiting? And also, I see that you have Central Arkansas on your schedule. Is there any plan down the line to play at Jackson State University? And are you open to that? Well, we got another personality, Mike Leach. So I would say there's three personalities uh, in the state that are very unique and extremely different from each other. So... Uh, it's been great to see Dion's success, Coach Sanders' success, um, and how well he's done down there and how well he's done in recruiting. And so I don't know future scheduling plans on that, but that would be exciting. Coach, we'll go over here to our left on the second row. Elaine, uh, Stefan Kaisnik with the Clarion Ledger. You know, when you look at the, the magnitude of the rivalry with uh, Mississippi State, you know, whether it be on the field or when it comes to recruiting, things of that nature, how how valuable do you think it would be for you to, to start 3-0 and in your career uh, in the Egg Bowl? Well, again, we, we got a lot of work to do before we ever get to that game. Um, it's been exciting to be fortunate to be 2-0 in that. That, you know, means a lot to us, but especially to the people of Mississippi, obviously. And then, you know, once you – until you get into those unique rivalries, you know, you can watch them on TV like I used to on Thanksgiving and – um, hear about them, but you really don't know until you get to a place like Mississippi and you see how much it means to the people. And, you know, they're not kidding when they say, like, their next 364 days will be affected. You know, when the common fan says that, they're serious. So uh, that has been neat to be able to give that to our fans, and hopefully we can continue that. Coach, we're going to go to our right side, about four rows back. Hey, Lane Wilson, Alexander with the Advocate. There's been a lot made with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten of what how that stretches the conference across the country. When you were the coach at USC, what kind of challenge would it have been to travel that much during a season? Well, that would be a lot, especially you know when that schedule wasn't a lot of traveling, you know, in, in the Pac-12 or Pac-10 even before that. So the Notre Dame game was a big thing you know, every year, and do you even go two days early in that conversation? So uh, there'll be different challenges with that for a conference that's not used to traveling very far. So but we got plenty of our own issues and problems to work on, so, you know, and they can deal with that in whatever two years from now. Coach, we're going to go back over here on the left-hand side. Edgar? Uh, yeah, Edgar Thompson, the Orlando Sentinel. You ready for another Nick Saban question? Sorry. Sure. <laughs> uh there's been uh, a lot of SEC coaches who came from that tree or worked for him at least and with very degrees of success. What, what aspect of the blueprint that so many are trying to implement is, is critical to have in your program? Like if there was one or two aspects. Well, <clears throat> I did an interview the other day that went more in depth in this and you know, it really is amazing that I would you guys would know history better than me. I would doubt that there's ever been a coach in any sport, college or professional, that has so many people under him 
that are at major jobs. I mean, you're talking about top 25 jobs, and I don't know what we counted, five or six of them or something the other day when we counted all those guys that have been there or even that were there just for the three years I was there that were assistant coaches. So it really is amazing, not just for someone to produce coaches that people hire because they're trying to get the Alabama program, but for those to have success and to be at major places speaks volumes of you know how phenomenal a coach is. I think people take very different things from him, and I think you see that. I kind of think there's a lot, there's a difference when you look at offense and defensive coaches. I feel like when you look at the defensive coaches that leave there, usually like the Georgia blueprint, um, you know, basically take everything and move it there. And because that's a big part about Alabama's program, whatever year you were there, the defense was the same and it hasn't changed for the most part. And I think the offensive head coaches leave, you know, whoever, and Billy or Sark or Locks, and, and the program looks a little different because they usually have their own offensive flair that they end up running. Um, but I'm sure everybody probably takes, I would think, um, his organization, his commitment um, to the program and, you know, try to model his discipline that he has within that. Coach, we're going to go down here to our right-hand side, second row. Charles Odom with the Associated Press. You mentioned right off the, the top uh, the importance of the transfer portal and, and filling some holes on, on your roster this year. I'm wondering, in the, in the last year, what changes have you seen in your discussions with p- potential transfers of the NIL, and what do you think the coach's role uh, should be in, in, in that whole discussion? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> what should the coach's role be in that discussion? I mean, I think ideally, if we're going to be in an NIL world and somehow you're going to do it right and it's going to get capped, you know, so that there's some way of controlling it and keeping playing fields close to the same. Um, otherwise, you're just going to have these glaring differences within Division One football. Um, based off of their, what I've said before, their salary cap. I know it's not really the right word. Uh, and ideally, I would think that the coach should be part of managing that. That's, you know, how you would want it done. But I don't know if it'll be that way or whatever. So that's just how I would do. And that's based off of, look what happens in professional sports. There's salary caps and the coach and the general manager slash owner manage that. Coach, we're going to go right in front of me. Because one, the other thing about that, Hold too, on. is if it's not, I would say, okay, well, why would you put it that way when coaches aren't supposed to be involved in that? Well, you got a whole other set of problems. If you got boosters out there deciding who they're going to pay to come play and the coach isn't involved in it, how's that work? I mean, they could just go pick who they want and pay them however much, and then are they going to tell you, the boosters going to tell you who to play too? And then when they don't play, how's that going to work out? So, again, this was not thought out at all, in my opinion, and has created a massive set of issues, um, which I think most, when people really thought about it, from a coach's standpoint, could have predicted this um, was going to happen. All right, we'll go straight down in front of me, three rows back, Lane. Right here, uh, Lane Kiffin. This is Lane Higgins from the Wall Street Journal. Um, cool. 
I had a question for you a little bit about recruiting and how it has kind of changed to be, you know, more of a photo shoot or, a, you know, experience. And you've had, you know, Rolls Royces on campus. You obviously have a very cute sidekick and juice, you know. Can you talk to, a little bit about, you know, why you've chosen to kind of implement those things and kind of lean into that aspect of college football, even though it's, you know, very much has nothing to do with what the actual product on the field is going to be? Because I think for you guys that have been around me or listened to me, you know, we don't sit around and complain how things are and how they should be. Yeah, ideally, shouldn't be picking places off of what your photo shoot is or what car they're taking pictures in. There's a lot of things that I wish were different, but it is what it is. Just like Coach Saban wants rules changed about hurry-up offense. Well, he adapted. So we don't sit around and, and worry about that. I think we try to be creative. You know, we kind of have a say and we don't, think outside the box we just create a new box and so if that's what kids care about and look at then you know we don't do things the way they were done before and just I think that's how we would operate anywhere but especially at Ole Miss um, you need to be that way um, to have a chance so like the commissioner and I didn't wear a tie today and he's like man I've always wanted to do that I'm like well don't just do things the way they were before he's like I was waiting for someone to do it so maybe the commissioner won't have a tie next year because why are we supposed to wear a tie? Just because it was done before? Doesn't really matter. All right, we're going to go midway through this mid-aisle. Learn on the aisle. Hi, Lynn. Aaron Gershon from the Cats Paws in Lexington. Kentucky is the cross-divisional game this year. What do you remember about that matchup uh, a few years ago in 2020? And how, what's impressed you with uh, how much that program has changed since when you saw them at Tennessee? One day they're going to make you guys stand up because half the time I have no idea who's asking the question, so I just look around. Um, so that was a great game at Kentucky. It was We were brand new. That was the strange COVID year, so not only was it our first year, but it just we didn't have a spring ball, and all of a sudden we're playing games, and what a crazy game to go down on the wire like that. Coach Stoops has done an unbelievable job, um, you know, at a place that isn't traditionally winning eight, nine, ten games, so I always think that's really cool and special when someone can do that, and you know, like I said before, doing things better than they've been done before, and I would think that's, he's probably in the best run of the school, I would guess, so uh, we'll have a set of challenges there. Uh, he's very good on defense, and very complicated, and I know they've had really good success running the ball, and, and we're very creative offensively watching some of their games last year, and did a great job, especially with some NFL concepts involved. We're going to go coach right in front of me. Uh, Kirk, third row back. Uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American Statesman. I support the no-tie look, by the way. There you go. Uh, USC, UCLA, Texas, Oklahoma, four huge brands. Uh, three of them really not at the top of their game right now. Do you think they all four know what they're in for joining these two power leagues, and you think they'll struggle for a while? You know... <clears throat> They've been playing in great conferences and against great opponents. And so, um, I mean, I just say how it is. I don't know that there's a huge jump um, into the Big Ten. You know, um, I think going to the SEC is a whole other animal. You know, and I think the draft picks and national championships prove that coming out of the SEC. And um, I just said it, it's, it's a different world. You know, they've said it for a long time. The SEC just means more, and it does. And it's just different. It's ahead of the game. And now, over the last five, ten years, 
the players have started coming that didn't used to come from the northeast and the west coast very often at all. And that transition, I, I feel like, started with Alabama especially, and now they're coming to the SEC. So um, that's a big challenge. So I know everything obviously is about money nowadays, um, or else teams wouldn't be going with these playing all over the place and breaking up these awesome traditions. So, you know, the coaches got to deal with it and, and get ready for a different world. Coach, we're going to go right here on the far right front row, just right over to our right. thought I'd stand up for you, Thank just you. like you asked. <laughs> front row is a little easier on that part. Yes, sir. So, um, obviously, there's been a lot of, you're just talking about the, the volatility with the realignment in, in college football. What's it kind of like, you know, as one of the coaches in the SEC, the, one of the conferences that everyone's been eyeing trying to get into, what's it like to be one of the people on the inside where there's all this volatility going around? Well, I haven't really thought about it that way. You know, I've said, just like I mentioned, the SEC is the top of everything. And, you know, so people are always trying to chase the SEC and figure it out. So I don't know the history behind the moves, but I'm sure it had something to do with the SEC starting the unique moves um, for that to happen, you know, for traditional teams like USC and UCLA to move like that. So... I don't, not that my opinion matters on it, but I don't like that. I think that that's really, you know, there's so much tradition. And, and when you go to places and you've been at a USC, you've been at all these different places, you see the how passionate fans are about certain things and what matters and rivalries. And um, for those to be dismantled for money is, is kind of a shame. Okay, we have time for three more. We're going to start right over here on our right in the middle section. Uh, Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. Excuse my tie. Apologies for that. Um, Lane, I saw that you signed a, a mustard bottle earlier. Have you signed a lot of those in the last nine months? I did sign a mustard bottle. That was the first um, guy to come up, which I think he had Alabama shirt on, so I was a little confused there. And so, yes, I've signed a lot of mustard balls and golf balls, uh, which normally I haven't. So it's been a unique off season. Hey, we're going to stay over in that. And I'd like to say on the golf ball, which goes back to the first pitch, which you know I threw out for the Tennessee game, and we got swept by Tennessee and didn't play well, and everybody thought it was my fault. I had a plan. I wanted our guys to stay humble and not play very well, and then we'd go win the national championship in baseball. So I'd like to say that was a plan. So all the Tennessee fans that were all excited about sweeping us, there was a plan. All right, we'll go over to the same section midway back. Go ahead, sir. Here's the mic. Hey, Coach, over here. Uh, Drew Barrett, ESPN, Arkansas. Last year, not only one of the best games y'all played in, but as far as the SEC in general, was against Arkansas. What are your thoughts about um, the rivalry with Arkansas and it becoming possibly one of the big marquee rivalries in the SEC? Well, that was exciting exciting game and again it just shows you you can't predict year to year week to week you got no idea how games are going to go because um, that game was completely different than the game the year before with them in a low scoring game so uh, that's an exciting rivalry uh, one that means a lot to fans as well and you know coach has done an unbelievable job there turning around a program that we got there at the same time and you know had really struggled and it wasn't like Arkansas was losing you know most of their games close so to see the turnaround that coach Pittman did um, is really amazing 
Coach, we'll go right here on straight in front of me, about midway back in the blue. Joe Goodman, AL.com. Uh, one year into NIL, um, what have you found works with NIL? What doesn't work? And, you know, you say college football is all about money right now. So how have you managed that in your program? You know, you mentioned maybe there needs to be general managers, but have you kind of delegated that responsibility to someone already? Or how have you gone about doing, dealing with that? Well, the first question is the keys to NIL and how do you do well at that? You have really good boosters. That's how you do well at it. So um, I'll say what other people don't say, as you know. So it's like a payroll, you know, in baseball. What teams win over a long period of time? Teams that have high payrolls and can pay players a lot. So um, we're in a situation not any different than that, which is what I'm not saying I – I'm sure other people said it. I said it day one. You legalize cheating, and so get ready for the people that have the most money to get the best players. And now you have it. So it is what it is. And as far as a general manager to manage that, we aren't allowed in the current system to manage what they make. So um, so there isn't well, – we're not there yet. And I don't know that we ever will be. That's just what I said it should be because that's what any other – you know, professional sports, which is what we are now, does. All right, Coach Kevin, thank you for your time. All right, guys, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.